Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 904. Brayden also mentioned an interesting rumor of a young man who had gone to visit Felurian and come back more or less intact, though slightly fey around the edges. It wasn't a court rumor, exactly, more the sort of thing you heard in a tap room, a low sort of rumor no highborn person would ever deign to lend an ear to. His dark, owlish eyes glittered merrily as he spoke. I agreed that such stories were indeed quite low and beneath the notice of fine persons such as ourselves. My cloak? It was rather fine, was it not? I couldn't remember where exactly I'd had it tailored. Somewhere exotic. By the way, I'd heard quite an interesting song the other day on the subject of Felurian. Would he like to hear it? We also played tack, of course. Despite the fact that I had spent a long time away from the board, Brayden said my playing was much improved. It seemed I was learning how to play a beautiful game. Needless to say, when Alvarin sent his next summons, I came. I was tempted to arrive a few minutes late, but I resisted, knowing no good could come of it. The mayor was walking about on his own when I met him in the garden. He stood straight and tall, looking for all the world as if he'd never needed to lean on my arm or use a walking stick. Quoth, he smiled warmly. I'm glad you could find time to visit me. Always my pleasure, your grace. Shall we walk, he asked. The view is pleasant from the south bridge this time of day. I fell into step beside him, and we began to wind our way among the carefully tended hedges. I could not help but notice that you are armed, he remarked, disapproval heavy on his voice. My hand went unconsciously to Caesura. It was at my hip now rather than over my shoulder. Is there aught amiss with that, your grace? I have understood that all men keep the right to gird themselves in Vintus. It is hardly proper, he stressed the word. I understand that in the king's court in Rainier, there is not a gentleman would dare be seen without a sword. Well spoken as you are, you are no gentleman, Alvarin pointed out coolly, as you would do well to remember. I said nothing. Besides, it is a barbarian custom and one that will bring the king to grief in time. No matter what the custom in Rainier, in my city, my house, and... The end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. The mayor's being a dick. The mayor's being a dick. The mayor's yanking his chain. I do wonder if the mayor is chafing that Quoth showed up much later. Like, it's not just that he he stalled him to take a bath. It's that he went missing for however long, three months before actually showing up again. But also, he's he's yanking his chain no matter what. He's finding some reason to criticize him. He's finding some reason to put him on his back foot. Interestingly, to wear a sword is a barbarian custom, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, that is an interesting choice of words. Yeah, that it's barbarian to wear a sword, but it's barbarian to uh, to not be. You know, it's it's a sword that represents quotes no longer being a barbarian in the eyes of the Adam that marks him as barbaric in the eye of the mayor, which is very interesting. Also, we talked about the king's court in Rainier. I mean, we have confirmation that the king's court's in Rainier now, and that Mayor Alvaron thinks that no good will come of letting everyone wa- uh, walk around armed there, which also might be a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, I mean, we did just literally hear the, a page ago that the Prince Regent died in a duel, which probably wouldn't have happened if everyone wasn't were walking around with a sword. I mean, they could have set a time and a place and done their duel later. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like the like Rainier is a bit more a bit more dangerous. You know, the court is more like physically dangerous than it is here, which is interesting. Alvaron has a sharp no swords policy, or at least he disproves of them quite a bit. Yeah, Jordana, you're right. It, they could totally still fight a duel later. And it doesn't seem like Alvarin has outlawed dueling. But I think that the fact that everyone goes around, when you have a society where everyone is armed, 
and they care a great deal about their honor, then it's a lot easier for people to break out into duels. You know, why wait? I'll fight you right here and now, bro. Unless you're a pussy. Yes, the uh, hot tempers of of young people at court. Oh yeah, well, it's the same principle that leads to all the gun deaths in America. When more people are armed, it's more likely that small things will escalate into a shooting. First of all, Nick, completely agree with you. The idea that an armed society is a polite society is bonkers. Yeah, love to have a society of politeness built on fear. Yeah, and like also, it just what it just results in is like someone has road rage and they pull their gun out of their dashboard and shoot you because you like cut them off or whatever. To to your point, Jordana, if I get mad at a guy and I I have to like set an appointment for my duel, then there's a lot more chance for me to cool off and think, you know what, that's actually stupid. I should just let it go, or I should you know apologize to him some other way or whatever. Historically speaking, dueling was like semi legal for a long time. But a lot of duels never happened, even after the challenge had been made, because the two, because they had to like arrange a time and like arrange for seconds and whatever, and all they they had lots and lots of opportunities for one or both parties to decide that it wasn't worth risking their lives to settle an argument. When everyone is going around armed, it just makes it a lot easier, as you say, for tempers to be hot and for fights to resolve. Like that's where so much of the conflict in Romeo and Juliet comes from, right? You've got all these teenagers who are also like trained killers walking around with swords, like starting shit. Yes. And also this culture does not have the uh, training and, and whatnot that is involved or involved with weaponry that the Adem has. So a bunch of them walking around with swords, very different than a bunch of Adem walking around with swords. They don't, I think what you're saying is they don't have the same like discipline and relationship. Yeah. Like their weapons aren't sacred the way that the Adem weapons are sacred. They also don't have the Lathani to guide them theoretically, I suppose. Yeah. They're operating by a completely different moral code and code of honor. Uh, the mayor's greeting is extremely a dig at Quoth. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you could find... Yeah, he's being such a passive-aggressive little baby. It's it's maddening. Although, I think what's interesting is the way that the narrator describes him is, like, if Quoth detects it, it does not mention it, right? He smiles warmly, which I take at face value. And I take it to mean that the mayor is extremely good at getting his passive-aggressive digs in completely un- with deniability. Because he's, like, warmly saying, you know, oh, I'm glad you... You know, it's, like, he, he, completely deniable that he could actually just be, like, warmly greeting him with a bit of humor, right? But I, I certainly take it to mean that he is passive-aggressively digging him. It certainly reads passive-aggressive on the page, even with the word warmly in there. So Quoth is all but saying, yes, I was the guy who met Felurian. Oh, yes, this cloak. Oh, yes, it's so nice. No, I don't have any idea where it's from. Oh, yes, I do have a new song about Felurian. Wouldn't you like to hear it? And this is the song he wrote about Felurian that, that he told Florian he would have to go like spread the word. Yes, I think so. But then it's followed up by him going, I was learning to play a beautiful game. I think he's being played. I think Brayden is absolutely getting everything he wants to know out of Quoth, and Quoth is completely guilelessly offering it to him. I don't know if I'm totally there yet, but I I agree that that is a potential thing that might be happening. Well, so there's a fair bit of evidence that Brayden is involved with supernatural forces in some capacity. Do the Alish eyes count? I mean, no. the Alishai is, I, you could see as being like grandfatherly or something, but who knows, maybe. But I think, uh, you know, there's there's already been rumors on the page, like both when he was gathering his court rumors, got rumors that Brayden like consorted with demons or whatever, was pagan, pagan rituals, that was it, which he completely discounted, right? But I think we've taken that to mean that potentially he has some, some chandranoid dealings. 
on this page, the, the the real clue on this page is that he doesn't seem to think it's remarkable that Quoth has encountered Falurian. He doesn't say Falurian's not real, so obviously the story is horseshit. Mm-hmm. He does not deny the existence of the Fae or Falurian or that it would be possible to meet her or that it would be possible to bring back a cloak from Faye, which all of which strikes me as suspicious because no one else who is this learned seems to credit that stuff as being serious. Yeah. Now, Quoth has no reason to be on his guard around Brayden, which is why I think he should, <laughs> it will come out that he ought to have been on his guard around Brayden. Um, so he's sort of pleased to be sharing this little secret with someone, with someone who's taking him seriously. But I think the fact that he immediately follows it up with saying, I seemed I was learning how to play a beautiful game. To me, that is a bit of uh, irony from the narrator, uh, wherein later when we read this again after book three, we will go, okay, he is being played by Brayden. He's given Brayden a ton of important information about his actual movings and dealings. He's confirmed this rumor, right? Brayden, who has an interest in the supernatural, who, as you say, Jeremy, is completely like, yep, Valerian's real. Totally no problem with that idea. Not challenging this at all. Quoth has now confirmed, yes, I've had dealings with Felurian. Less I, yes, I returned from the Fae uh, in Shaden and uh, more or less intact. Uh, I think that is a, a win for Brayden. That's a big W in the Brayden column uh, and a big old goose egg in the Quoth column. I don't, I don't know that it's like as... Uh, as much a win for Brayden as you're as as you pose like I do think that certainly Brayden is getting a lot of information out of him um but I don't think that like necessarily like okay so Brayden's a bit of a gossip Quoth could also be using him to build his own story I think Quoth is choosing what he tells Brayden um knowing that it could get around I think Quoth isn't considering Brayden a player I think Brayden, he Quoth thinks that Brayden is what he presents himself as sort of like a kindly, helpful courtier who likes gossip. Uh, but he's not considering that Brayden might have, a, and, and I don't think there's any reason also for a first time reader to think that either. I think that you need to be poisoned with the close reading virus to come to the table with these assumptions. But I think because Brayden is a prime candidate for uh, being more heavily involved than many of the other characters in the book. I think that it will turn out that this is a bit of a, a miscalculation on Quoth's part to offer this up so easily. It, uh, it remains to be seen, and I guess we'll have to find out later. As many of our conversations end. <laughs> Any more to say on this page? I am out of things. Yeah, I got nothing. Well, let's uh, mosey on down to the 905. All right, to the 905 it is. Uh, That's for all of you out there in podcast land. Those are the suburbs of Toronto. You can join us there on tomorrow's page. Uh, The wind. wind.